0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport Powered by fans.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
0: Hey it's the No Near Never Podcast. With your host, Jamie Smith.
2: Good evening and welcome to a special Wednesday night edition of the Known and Ever podcast. Apologies for the, the delay. We're starting two days and 20 minutes late rather than just 20 minutes late. Um, unfortunately, I locked myself out of my flat on Monday night so we couldn't do the podcast because I was the wrong side of my flat's door. But hopefully we'll have an extra special good show tonight to make up for it. Um, James Byrd and Natalie Bromley are with me and we're also joined by Jim Knight from the We Are Going Up podcast. Jim is a Leicester fan so we'll walk ahead. To Saturday's big game, which should be a title decider in the Championship. See Burnley win to look back on as well, and we'll talk about how Leicester have slipped up a little bit. We're reeling the minute at the top of the Championship, just three points behind now, and can go top of the league with a victory on Saturday in the early kickoff on Sky, of course, 12 15 kickoff at Turf Moor. Um, we'll start with you then, Jim. What's gone wrong for Leicester in the last couple of games? A couple of one-all draws? Are you a bit scared of us catching you up, maybe? What's going on?
3: Yeah, we're, we're due a bottling session. I think we're just starting to kick in now. Uh, we started in January last year, but we've left it a bit late to try and not get promoted this year. Um, no, I think basically expectations were pretty high um, given the fact that we haven't lost a game since uh, since mid-December. And we still haven't, to be fair, if you look at it like that. You know, it's, it's only four draws in about our last 14, 15 games, I think. It's 17, 18 unbeaten now. So... There were two tough games. Yeovil kind of really gave it a go and very nearly beat us, were it not for a Chris Wood, Kasper Michael tag team effort at the very end yesterday. Um, and I went to the Blackburn game away and they gave as good as we got and we could have easily lost that game as well. So, you know, fortunate really to have two points out of those two games could realistically come away with uh, with none and been in real trouble for the title. That's
2: one of the things that's defined your season really, hasn't it? These late goals, I mean... I, I was following the the updates on my phone last night, and it was no surprise at all when I saw you'd got an equaliser in the in injury time again. It's, it was a bit surprising that your goalkeeper was so heavily involved. <laughs> it was no surprise to see you come away with another uh, slightly fortunate result from our point of view. But yeah, you, you're hanging in it, hanging on in there. But I suppose both teams must know at this stage that we are. All in all likelihood, we are both going to be promoted. So it should be a really good atmosphere on Saturday, shouldn't it? Pass the atmosphere at Turf Moor.
3: Fingers crossed, yeah. It was kind of a promotion party where both both teams are, are kind of looking forward to the Premier League next season. We, uh, we're we taking 3,000 up, um, which I think is the maximum allocation. I'm guessing it's a sellout. I, I can't imagine we've left any spare seats um, behind for what should eventually be a title decider. But given the fact it's on Sky as well, it's always a, a good thing to see the the allocated seats sell out in the away end, even though it's twelve fifteen on a on a Saturday. Um, and it is, you know, it's, a, it's it's not too long of a way, but it's it's a fair old journey. And I think if we were mid table, we'd have probably only sent about half that. So, fingers crossed, it's a good game. I'm looking forward to it personally. Um, it hopefully, should be a, a good good clash
2: it should be absolutely cracking and I'm sure uh, the Burnley fans will be well up for that as well with us having a little bit of momentum with a form team in the division at the minute so I think from our point of view we're focusing on trying to chase you down and get to the title. Yeah. It doesn't really matter, does it? Whether you're first or second, you still get the same thing. It's just it's much better to focus on chasing someone than be hunted from behind. So I think we've still got 10 points on, on QPR and it really does look like we're going up. Have um, Burnley taken you a little bit by surprise this season? You must have expected Leicester to be up there in the mix, but the Clarets, I've called them the surprise package and I think that's fair a fair label for the way we've played this season, isn't it?
3: I think that yeah, that's a very fair label. I think after having to to sell your, your best striker, um two summers in a row, wasn't it, really, with Jay Rodriguez going the summer yeah, yeah, last absolutely. and then Charlie Austin going to, to QPR. Um I don't think a lot of people would have put you up as potential promotion challenges, let alone title challengers. Um it just goes to show what a good job Sean Dyche is doing and I know i I'm on here to talk about Leicester, but I am a huge fan of Sean Dyche and what he's done um over the last couple of years, both at Watford and uh Burnley. Um, it's particularly impressive the way he's brought through, you know, some of the players and made the most of, you know, players like Michael Kightley, um, been around the houses a little bit and obviously been quite lucky to keep Danny Ings fit for the majority of the season. So I think he struggled with injuries before, hasn't he? Um, kind of quite long term injuries that have, have kept him out of the side. So all credit to the, you know, done fantastic. We've obviously got a huge wage bill compared to yourselves and compared to a lot of the division. Um, still in a lot of. A lot of financial, not issues, we've paid off a lot of the debt this year, but um, still kind of wages to turnover ratio is about 130%, which isn't ideal for any business, let alone um, one that's so unstable as a football club. But I'm looking forward to uh, to hopefully the Premier League next year. It's going to be a nice shot in the arm after 10 years kind of hanging around the championship. And especially after last year, um, that playoff defeat at Watford that will haunt me forever and a day. Um it's It It almost seemed like it wasn't going to happen um, after that. I kind of had written it off this season. I was just like, oh f- we're going to be mentally shot. There's no way we're going to be able to put another challenge together. But fair play to Nigel Pearson. The board have stuck with him after what probably would have been enough to get most managers sacked um, the way that we capitulated from January onwards last year. And it's, it, it's paid dividends. We've not signed a player um, for any money this year, as far as I'm aware. Um, we've trimmed the wage bill a lot and he's done a fantastic job. So all credit to him. I think Burnley and Leicester both got to
2: show, don't they, that you don't need to bring in a lot of players every summer to to make a difference. You just need to improve on what you've got. And I think the, the squad turnover at clubs like Forest and QPR, where they've got players coming in and out the door every week, it just makes such a big difference. But it is impressive that Leicester, as you say, having fallen apart last year when it looked like promotion was in the bag, that they've managed to recover and even though they're having a little bit of a wobble now and hopefully it'll be an extended wobble on Saturday, (laughs) it still looks like you'll be going up and it's it's almost impossible to throw it away from there. One of the things I've noticed about your team is that you've got a lot of players out of contracts in the summer, don't you? Even players that are playing a big role in the first team it's it's strange that their futures are unresolved even at this stage.
3: Basically that's just a a symptom of the club trying to be a bit more fiscally responsible. So the whole idea was that we wouldn't be offering new contracts to likes of Kasper Schmeichel, uh, Wes Morgan, Paul Konchesky, um, a few of the big earners who, let's be honest, were, were on far too much money to begin with. A lot of them were spend signings, which kind of brings with it a huge wage bill. Um, I think Paul Konczewski is probably still our top earner um and he's he's still on Premier League wages as well and I don't think Nugent's far behind him so the whole idea was that we would uh we'd see where we were um at, at this stage and then kind of try and tie people down hope that the players' uh, loyalty would be there still and they'd be then rewarded with a Premier League contract um i, I assume there are some kind of talks going on week after week about, you know, a pre-contract agreement, if you like, um what kind of wages people would want and things like that. I don't think we've completely left it to 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 nothing and then we're just gonna hope that they're all gonna re-sign in June once the the uh, the ink is dry on the Premier League TV deal. But it's it's a worry that the likes of Casper Schmeichel who's broken into the Denmark team now and played really well against England at Wembley a few weeks ago um, on national TV obviously a lot of scouts I'm sure would have known about and I'm sure not many of them were watching that game not knowing who he was or who he played for but the fact that he is out of contract in the summer if someone did come knocking um, and wanted to make him a big offer we might lose him um, and that goes for like seven or eight of our, our regulars as well it's not even our squad it's it's our regular team so it could be a very different Leicester City side come uh, come August the one that we see hopefully, uh, hopefully get a win at Turf Moor on Saturday
2: it is a slightly unusual situation and what's odd is that you see the same sort of thing at QPR. A lot of their players are on wall and a lot of their players, are, you'd expect them to be leaving at the end of the season and they've had completely the opposite thing where they don't seem to be playing for each other. So it's really interesting that Nigel person has been able to keep that together at Leicester and have you competing at the top end of the table and we need to mention as well Ganks has been on our our live chat thing that we have on while we're doing the podcast Um, the Leicester fans at Ewood on Saturday were singing we're going up with the Burnley which I'm sure was absolutely outstanding the Rovers fans must have really hated that so a big thank you to all Leicester fans for that that must have been belting
3: Oh, it was fantastic. Um, we we uh, we took a fair few to to Blackburn as well, um, and it was just, it was a good atmosphere. Um, there weren't many there, home fans was. I don't know if that's a regular thing, um, but uh, <laughs> there was a lot of empty seats, which we made um, a, a few chants about. But it was, you know, it. I think with Burnley being quite a well-run club and things like that, I think Leicester are quite happy to be in a title battle with them. It's not like we're. Uh, we're we're up against Forest or or Derby or or Palace for that matter, you know, a club that have thrown a lot of money around. Just going back to the consistency, I think it's a huge factor and I think it's one that's often underrated in football, where you get fans who expect this kind of football manager approach where at, at the end of the season you'll have a clear out and it's literally just as easy as trying to scout some new players, bring a load in fill the gaps that uh, the outgoing players or the current players that you don't deem are good enough to be in the in the first team and away you go Um, there's there's a lot to be said for team chemistry team unity and I think that experience of of Watford last year has kind of bonded the team together as a unit and that kind of spirit is probably part of the reason we've been able to get so many equalisers or or winning goals in the last dying seconds you know it's really important and Pearson has done a fantastic job Um, hopefully he's rewarded with a new contract as well because his contract is up in the summer Um, so if you know there was a, a big job come up elsewhere he would obviously listen to offers as well Fingers crossed the owners have got the checkbook ready um, and are ready to to splash the cash on uh, at least keeping the the players that are integral to the promotion campaign this year and giving them a shot in the Premier League.
2: It should certainly be an interesting summer for Leicester. I have noticed in the last week that the rivalry between Burnley and Leicester fans we've been rubbing along quite happily in the last couple of weeks just because it looks like we're both getting promoted but now the title's at stake, it's, it's been cranked up a little bit but it's its good to see everyone still getting along and mainly focusing on making sure QPR don't get promoted so Yeah, that's excellent. Um, Thanks, Jim, for coming on. Please feel free to stick around. We'll talk about Saturday's game a bit more later in the show, so feel free to stick around for that, but also pop off if you need to go. Casting our minds back to Saturday, though, Burnley won 3-0 at Charlton Athletic without two of our main players, Kieran Trippier and Danny were both out injured, Uh, but it was a comfortable win for Burnley in the capital in the end. 3-0, really, really solid, impressive performance. Uh, James we'll bring you in now you were at Charlton at the Valley on Saturday weren't you what did you make of Burnley's performance
4: yeah I thought we were, we were really good value um, you know you see you looked at it on paper before the game you thought Ings and Trippier are missing it could be a could be a difficult game and it did start out that way um, I think for about 30 minutes or so Charlton looked really good really positive and bright um, despite the absolutely abysmal state of their pitch Um But then after that, I think we just had too much for them. As soon as uh, Barnes scored the first, uh, there was only one winner really in the game.
2: We've seen that all season, haven't we? maybe started. I don't know whether it's fair to say we started slowly or just sort of controlling the game and making sure we don't go behind. But as soon as we get that goal, it's really unlike Burnley, isn't it? But as soon as we go 1-0 up, you're fairly certain that we're going to win the game these days?
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously part of that will come down to the fact that we've only been beaten three times so um, it just mean you are pretty confident that when you get a lead you're going to hold it but I think that is part of the game plan we we don't sort of precaution. caution we, we we're careful to to not go behind rather than sort of attack 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 and maybe get hit on the break instead we like to I think ease ourselves into the game and
2: then once we've got set up and we've you know, got one goal I think we push on from there it's it's very interesting seeing um, the fact that Chris Baird came in and did such a good job with Trippier coming out. It was a signing that came from nowhere, really. I mean, I wrote an article for the site talking about attackers and midfielders to replace Marnie and Ings, but uh, we weren't really aware at that stage that Trippier was carrying an injury as well. So it was interesting that, that Baird was able to come in straight to the side and the two games he's played, we haven't conceded a goal how impressed were you with Baird's performance on Saturday? He seemed extremely solid, didn't he?
4: Yeah, I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't put a foot wrong all game, really. and uh, he, Obviously, he doesn't really have the crossing ability that Trips has, but what he does has is having an absolutely amazing throw-in. Um, I didn't know that he had that in his locker before the game, but um, the first time he took a throw, he absolutely lobbed it about 40 yards. And, uh thought this boy's got a decent throw on him so he, he does add something I think you know you lose a little bit of what
2: Trippy is about but I think you gain a little bit in uh in different areas I think mean, Baird's a very interesting sign as well we'll talk about um Dean Marnie's suspension and what what Sean Dyche will do to address that on Saturday's game but I'm sure Baird in midfield will be one of the the options that he's certainly considering uh Natalie you were at the Valley on Saturday as well, weren't you? What did you make of Burnley's performance? 3-0, it looks like a route on paper, doesn't it?
5: Yeah, I think in some respects it was. Um, I, I really echoing everything that James said there, it was a very disciplined performance for me. I think, you know, we didn't start off that well and we sort of allowed them to attack us and allowed them to get quite a lot of possession. Um, but then you, you just saw the the. Shift in the players' mentality and they just upped the levels a little bit and they just started um, just, you know, really trying to put the pressure on, on the Charlton players and Charlton just crumbled so quickly and, and the rest of the game, it was probably one of the most one-sided games I've ever seen. Um, but I think, and in some respects, the, the game last night as well um, echoed this, these last two games have really showed for me just how much fitter our players are than, I think, any squad that we've seen and how much fitter they are than most of our division. Um, they just couldn't... Charlton players were just running around chasing shadows. They were absolutely shattered by about half-time and that was it was game over after that.
2: It is incredible, isn't it, that we've yeah. got such a, such a small squad and yet the fitness levels are so high, even with two really important players. It's like worth noting as well, Charlton are struggling down at the bottom of the league, but they had the new manager in and in the three games since Jose Riga had taken over, they haven't conceded a goal. So he had um fixed their defence somewhat and then we promptly, without arguably our two best players, stuck three past them. So can't underestimate that. And last night, as you were saying, Doncaster as well, two 0 victory over them and they'd taken ten points from their last four yeah. games. So even though they again down at the bottom, they've been playing quite well recently. So it's it's very positive that we've managed to, to brush these sides aside really comfortably in the end, especially when Burnley teams of the past have, have crumbled in these sorts of matches, <laughs> haven't they? When yeah, definitely. <laughs> Donk turn up at the turf, they're towards the bottom of the league, we're near the top, you think, guaranteed three points, Burnley <laughs> lose. That's just how it always used to work. But it took us a while to get the first goal last night, didn't it? But as soon as we got that, again, completely in control.
5: Yeah, it was, again, last night. I was was getting home last night. I was trying to decide in my mind which was the most one-sided game, whether it was Charlton or or last night. Um, Again, there's such... A nervousness around these games. I'm probably one of the worst people to watch a football game with because I'm just ridiculously <laughs> nervous, honestly. And the people who sit around me just need medals for having me all season because I, I make people nervous. Um, and looking on paper, you know, you look at these games and you think, oh, you know, Leeds at home, then we had Charlton away, then Doncaster at home. You're like, oh yeah, nine points easy. But I wasn't. I was like, oh, God, you know, we are usually so accommodating to sides that need to score away from home or strikers who need to, um, you know, they have a bit of dip in form and they need to score. It's like, yeah, come to turf more. We'll we'll happily give you whatever you want. But that's just not our side at the moment. They've got a discipline and they've got a real professionalism about them and they just get the job done. Um, And I say them again last night.
2: There were a, cu- a couple of slight concerns, weren't there, with the, the Marnie booking that will, will obviously come to mm. a little bit later. But uh, Ashley Barnes went off with a bit of an injury as well. I think um, it was probably just a precaution that he went off injured. But with the the squad is quite stretched already, isn't it, with only a couple of players out. So we, we really can't afford Barnes to be out as well as Ings because the news on Ings is quite vague, isn't it? But we're not expecting him to play a part on Saturday, at least.
5: No, apparently not. I, mean, I think... I don't know whether the vague news in terms of injuries is is a tactical manoeuvre from Deitch, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was really. Um, it's no great surprise. Everybody knows how small a squad we have, and, and why would you say, you know, why would you let Leeds know three days before our game that Ings was going to be out, and and you know, with no, and I'm sure Leicester won't be that nervous, but you know, why would we announce news to in, you know, ahead of Leicester game saying, oh well, we're going to be missing four of our key players with a with a tiny squad? It just gives them a bit of a boost and it gives them um, a chance to get themselves really geared up for the game, and we don't want to give them that. So I wouldn't be surprised. As if there are some tactics around the 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 sorry not the transfer news the injury news to those players, but I have heard a few rumblings that Trippier is going to be back on Saturday, but I don't know whether that's really praying or whether it's just Chinese whispers.
2: Trippier was on Clarets' play last night, wasn't he? And he was. Pretty non-committal, but mm. I have i don't know if you can read too much into it, but I don't know if they'd be having Kieran Trippier trek all the way to the back of the long side, which is a fair walk if yeah. he was carrying a bit of an injury. So, yeah, I, I would expect Trippier to be back on Saturday and hopefully that will be the case. But, yeah, don't want to... Um, judge too much about it it might be a late decision but i'm sure if he's fit he will play and that will make the midfield problem a lot easier because we would just assume chris baird would go into midfield yeah, for definitely. for dean marnie um just going back to saturday there was a little bit of a surprise in in the burnley team james in the junior stanislaus was in the starting lineup were you a bit surprised when you saw his name on the team sheet it was his first start in a while wasn't
4: it yeah it's getting a bit difficult to understand the pecking order for wingers now um because it seems to change with almost no basis on form. Um, so I don't know whether they're all doing something significantly different in training, but it's it suddenly went from, obviously, Carter who was the fancied man, and Keith was the sort of replacement. And uh, it's now gone to Junior's suddenly starting, and is back to being the replacement. Uh, it's a bit difficult to sort of keep up, and obviously there's Wallace in between. Um, so it was a bit of a surprise, but I think he, he showed he was good value for... Uh, for his spot in the side, particularly on Saturday when he's had to deal with a, a atrocious pitch, like I said earlier, um, where it doesn't really suit keeping the ball down and, and close control. Um, so I thought he was very good, actually.
2: It is interesting, isn't it? I mean, you're saying about the pecking order with wingers, but from my point of view, I think Dash has played it really well. I think he's he's picked the players who who were playing the best at the time. Stanislaus has looked really good in a couple of cameos recently, so I think it was, it was fair to put him in. And I think it's also really important that when Trippier and Ings aren't playing, you need to have someone who can do that little bit of creativity and just create something from nothing every now and again. And I think Junior's got, obviously, I'm a massive fan of Junior Stanislaus, but it, it doesn't seem to me like, if, you, if you're if you playing Kaitlyn off-field out-wide, I think you may be going to struggle to make them... In and absolutely delighted to see him playing so well. And he was outstanding again last night, wasn't he, Natalie? We've got a piece on site today from Robbie saying it was maybe not counting the fact that it was his bad pass that got Dean Moni booked.
5: Yeah, I think. That was the only um I think guessing. Yeah, it did. It, it, he was absolutely outstanding for me on Saturday with Stan. Um, and same again last night. He's just showing some absolute class. Um, there were a couple of uh, tricky moves um, near where I sit last night, which were just they were just absolutely awesome. Um, for me, and I don't this is gonna sound a little bit negative, but I think this is just my my stance on it. For me, last night, just before the, the incident that led to um, Dino's booking, he had started just to let his head go a little bit and he'd proper started showboating around us. And a few of us were like, Oh, come on, you know, like just keep your discipline. And, and he let the ball go, and that's what led to Money having. To, I mean, Money didn't have to make the tackle, but he did make the tackle and he got booked. And you could see it in Stan's eyes his, his head went down straight away, and you could see his body language changed. And he knew that he'd not messed up that sounds harsh but he knew it just made it a of mistake of, like, yeah yeah exactly and that for me seemed quite out of character for um our side and i wonder whether that's one of the reasons why Stan hasn't played a more prominent role in the side because that just doesn't strike me that Dyche would tolerate that kind of behaviour he just let his discipline go started letting his ego get a little bit of the better of him and it led to something that's let the team down and I I just wonder whether that's been a a factor in his role.
2: I think that is fair and I I think that Sean Dash is big on framework, isn't he? It's one of mm. his favorite words. He's always talking about the framework, and I think the fact Junior will support his fullback, but he's not great defensively, and he can switch off positionally sometimes yeah. as well. So, I mean, you're going to get a bit of extra creativity and a bit of spark, and you might score from nothing occasionally. But you're also risking you defensively, you're not going to be as as solid. So,
5: yeah, I think it is,
2: it's roughly the smooth. I think we stand as ours, isn't it?
5: Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see what you guys think of this as well. Maybe I'm being a bit unduly harsh here, but out of all of our squad, he's the one player that just doesn't strike me as being a team player. And he never has done his... He's he's almost got that Chris Eagles mentality where he's, he's very much his own flair and his own creativity, and he wants to shine and he wants to be the star. And I just saw a few glimpses of that last night... A guy, obviously, you know, interesting to see what you guys think. Whether you think the same thing, but that's how I, have, what bracket I've put him in recently. I think.
2: I don't think it's really unfair what you're saying there, Natalie. I mean, I think um, all creative players, I think, have that to an extent. I think you need the. It's it's the it's the old fine line, isn't it, between confidence and arrogance? And- yeah. It's easy to cross over and it sounds like maybe that's what happened to Junior last night. He probably got a bit carried away. He'd not yeah. long after, wasn't long after he'd scored his goal, which was really nicely taken, finished. But yeah, maybe he just got a little bit carried away. And I think the crowd were doing the old as and stuff as well. Yeah. It's probably quite easy for him to get carried away. And he'll be obviously delighted that he's back in the team. So he just wants to make a good impression. And he's, he's unfortunately made a mistake and that's just what happens. But I think when whenever you see... Not that I'm comparing Junior Stanislas to players like Ronaldo and Messi, but players at that level that trust themselves to to have the abilities to do these things out of nowhere, they take the risks, and it is like Chris Eagles that. They will try things sometimes and they'll look stupid because they won't always come off. But I think with players like Stanislavs, you have to accept that that's going to happen sometimes and hopefully you get more positives out of him than negatives. James, just come to you on that, what do you make of Natalie's assessment of, of Junior Stanislavs?
4: Oh, yeah, I think it's hard to hard to argue that, you know, while he's a player who's got a bit of magic, um, he just seemed to, to lack maybe a bit more in... Uh, the teamwork aspects that Dash is so keen on. I think it, you, you saw it a lot of Birmingham. He came on and one minute, he'd be getting stuck in for a challenge, and the next minute he'd be ducking out of a header. And uh, he just doesn't seem to have that, that consistency that everyone else does. Maybe he's not quite as relentless as everyone else is, which obviously is a, a favourite word of Dash's these days.
2: I think that's fair. Uh, Adam's just mentioned as well that he, he's... he's... He did some post-match press and he was talking about how he's learned a lot about how to play in a, in a team environment and he's learned a lot about playing for the team. So I'm sure we've been especially disappointed to have uh, sort of indirectly um, caused the Marnie booking. I'm sure uh, Marnie will accept that he met the challenge as well. So it's, it's partly his fault. We've got some comments on this as well, actually. Um Jack says looked genuinely gusted when he was booked and it was the same again at full-time. Obviously, the suspension's been coming for a while, so hopefully there's a, there's a plan in place. Junior's comments, by the way, were, at times it has been frustrating on a personal level, but I think I've learned a lot this season, a lot to do with team ethic. I think the team has been fantastic this season and it has made me stronger. Um, obviously, Junior is playing for a contract at the minute, which we often see from players when like they come towards the end of the season. But. Yeah, I think that all fits. Um, Paul says, Dean Marnie looked like Gazza at the World Cup <laughs> when he looked so disappointed They knew he was going to miss the next two games. Uh, Dakarie says, three defenders could have got to it before Marnie met that challenge, so he didn't really need to make the tackle. Uh, Paul points out Marnie will be back for the last six games anyway. And lots and lots, lots of comments on... on um, <laughs> on this, uh, just being told that Kieran Trippy on Carrots Player was saying, no, 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 when he found out that <laughs> De Marnie was going to get booked. I'm, sure, I'm gutted I missed that, actually. I'm sure Trippy was absolutely excellent on Carrots Player. Uh, but yeah, De Marnie's going to be out for the next two games, including the Leicester game, which is, it's a sign, isn't it, of of how important De Marnie's become to Burnley in the last few seasons, that we talk about missing these games and we're like, oh God, what are we going to do? We don't have Dean Marnie. James, dare I even ask you what your solution to this midfield problem would be?
4: Well, what I'd say first is, you're saying obviously Dean Marnie's been a big miss, important player of the last couple of seasons. pretty sure last season you actually blamed him for Chris McCann looking average.
2: Um, I I wouldn't say I was blaming Marnie. I, I don't think they were complementary as a partnership, not in the same way Marnie and Jones are. No, no, McCann dragged him down. Uh, <laughs> That's me being diplomatic. There's, there's
4: there's only there's only one person I think I'd slot in. Um, <laughs> be no surprise to anyone. I, I'd i Brian Stock. He's been out for a little while injured, but um but he has got quality, he's he's a great passer of the ball. And uh I think in a tight game like Leicester I think we'll be looking more to, to pass in the ball, trying to keep some more possession because um he can you control the control the game early on. Um and you know, get an early goal, and you can maybe win. I think you've got uh, got something to say about Stock as well, you, I mean, yeah. The thing about Brian Stock is also
2: I would have Brian Stock up but there. He, I think he's a very good looking man. Exactly. As um I said on the podcast several months ago, and have never ever been able to forget it. So Natalie, Brian Stock would make the team a lot more attractive, wouldn't he, if, if Brian Stock got in the side.
5: <laughs> really? <laughs>
2: I would have How can you up come there? to the he's he's girl and say man. that
5: I'm Just just team me up to get absolutely slated? I am not passing any comment on Brian Stock. If he goes in that squad on Saturday, I'm going to openly cry on the terraces. James, seriously, <laughs> get over the man crush because I can't cope with the idea that Brian Stock's going to be in our midfield. Seriously. He's a
4: fantastic player. Oh I, 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 my I, days. Like, like Jamie, I'm not attracted to him physically. Just as, <laughs> uh, what appears to me.
5: But he's not, though. Where have you got <laughs> this from?
4: He's Birmingham's answer to Andreas Pe- uh, Pearl. That's it's, it's obvious. Oh my days! Those pingy diagonal balls, those square <laughs> passes. Can't go better.
5: Yeah. Okay.
2: The thing we start for me is that obviously he hasn't played for a long time, so he's probably not going to be fit, is he? So just putting aside your obsession with Brown to one side. What, what do you think Sean Dash's plans are going to be for, for Saturday? Um, if if Trippy is fit, of course, would you agree? Baird into midfield is the obvious answer.
4: I don't know because I've never seen him play in midfield. To be honest, um, just as long as it's not Edgar. Because if it's Edgar, I think I'm <laughs> Say dash out.
2: Anyone Regardless,
4: by Edgar. We're getting promoted, I don't care. If you play Edgar in the midfield, you <laughs> don't deserve to be a football manager.
2: Well, the thing is, the last time you did that was at Huddersfield, wasn't it? And Edgar was terrible, Burnley was terrible, and, was big... was terrible, and we lost. So if if so, you do that again against what are currently the best team in the league, Jim, you won't be after Saturday, but currently best team in the league, I think you're just asking for trouble if you play David Edgar in midfield again.
4: The problem, I think the problem with Edgar was he, he did show glimpses when he had that little run in the side. Um, but unfortunately, it was only 15 minutes at a time. Uh, he previously had been groomed to play the Graham Alexander role, but obviously we've moved away from that formation. So he's now just... Really, his place in the squad is
2: this guy can play anywhere, and that's pretty useful. Yeah, he's a utility player for the bench, isn't he? But uh, on Bad I think he's played... It's difficult with bed because... He was right back when he first started playing at Southampton, I think. But I think he's probably played centre-back more than anywhere else. But Fulham did also use him quite a lot in central midfield. I mean, the thing for me is that players aren't, like, shoehorned into one position anyway. I think players can, I hate the phrase, but they can do a job. And I'm doing inverted speech marks in the where. But, yeah, I think players are capable of playing more than one position. And I think... Baird was probably signed with half an eye on, on De Marney suspension unless we are going to go out and get a loan in the next couple of days, which I wouldn't expect. Um, one of the solutions that has been mooted on Twitter when I was asking people earlier was move Scott Arfield inside and put another winger in. Um, Natalie, Sean Dyche doesn't seem keen on Arfield inside, does he? He's had the chance no. to, to play him inside before and he doesn't seem to fancy him in that role. Why do you think that is?
5: I just, I just don't think he's that effective, to be honest. And I think Dietz recognises that we we get the best out of our field in the role that he's playing at the moment, you know. And, and I just think, especially with Danny being injured, we, we're losing. <laughs> we're losing the... What the hell was that? that, that was wildly inappropriate. I'm not sure what that was.
2: Please ignore what just happened and carry on.
5: OK. Um, <laughs> Uh, I have lost my train of thought completely. What was I saying? Yes, our field, especially with Danny being injured, we need our field to create those chances and to get in those um, positions for us. So I just think it would be, I think if you put our field in the middle, I think you're kind of asking for a nil-nil draw, to be honest. I just don't, I can't see how that's going to work.
2: It's is interesting, isn't it? I mean, I look at our field and think energy. You think Dean Marney, He's got that drive. He's in the opposition's face, and he stops and playing. Yeah. What's the nearest to that that we've got? And I think Arfield fits there, but he's not amazing on the ball. And yeah, I think we need him further up the pitch as well. So yeah. when you've got him on the wing, he can put pressure on the opposition fallback. But
5: can I just out of interest, I mean, they, they, I don't know because I've not seen him. But can Wallace play in the middle?
2: I think Wallace played off the striker a couple of times, didn't he? But yeah. have Ross Wallace in midfield, I think. Wallace is already a bit of a foul waiting to happen. I think if you put him yeah, in midfield, true. it'd just be kicking people all over the place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, he's <laughs> Dash seems to like Wallace. Like he's preferred the last couple of games, but Wallace is normally in Dash's team, isn't he? He Played a lot last season and he played at the start of this season before he got injured. So it'll be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. If you are listening, please let us know what your what your thoughts would be for midfield. We are hoping Trippier will be fit to return. But, um, yeah, waiting for news on that. So it's the big issue, really, looking ahead to Saturday's game, which is obviously absolutely massive, should be a title decider in the Championship. But we've got that cushion, so we can't afford to slip up. Um, James, you've been talking about how promotions basically sealed for a couple of weeks now, isn't it? And the last two wins, I suppose, have just confirmed that position for you. What do you think of our title chances now, then? I think it's all to
4: play for, isn't it, really? Um, I think that's the only thing <clears throat> if you look at the bookmaker's odds now it's the only thing you can get anything reasonable on um, if you wanted to bet on us going up because um, I did see something the other week actually where someone said criticising other people who said we're as good as up um, saying if you think that why don't you go put £1,000 on Burnley for promotion at the bookies and I posted saying that, um, well I would do but it's not really worth the effort to win what, 100 quid, whatever it is um, yeah because we're, we're, we're as good as up. The bookies don't get that kind of thing wrong. Um, but the titles for grabs. I mean, uh, Leicester's uh, game in hand, a tough one uh, against Wigan. Wigan it's away, yeah,
2: well. it's, it, it's it looks tough, doesn't it? I mean, Wigan. I think they've drawn and lost the last two, but yeah, they're certainly still
4: yeah. But I mean, in the mix the, for the
2: playoff place.
4: Their defeats, you no, know, you know, really, no, nothing to cry about at, at QPR. One uh, 0 there's plenty of teams that have lost at QPR even though they have lost their way a little bit but um, you've got to think that that Wigan-Leicester is going to be a tough one for Leicester, it's probably got draw written all over it to be fair Um, so you know if we can win on Saturday you've got to say it's all to play for if we can keep our phone going I think as it stands, I, I think I tweeted the other day that the form says that Leicester should finish on 100 points and we should finish on 99 you've got to think that if obviously if we win on Saturday uh, that's going to have
2: an effect and probably just nudges us slightly ahead. I think you're absolutely right it is all to play for, isn't it and the the fact we've got a little bit more momentum with last driving those two draws it, it is interesting, and we haven't lost at home for over a year, so that's that's really really it, that, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Jack's been on uh, our live chat. Today. He says, we're 4-1 to, to win the league now, if you fancy having a punt on that, and 20-1 to one on to get promoted. So, yeah, basically it's not worth betting on us to get promoted. Um, Jim, to come back to you then, thanks for sticking around. What, what can we expect from Leicester at the weekend? Obviously, there'll be two lads up front who are as threatening as our strike force, probably Vardy and Nugent, obviously know all about Nugent from his time at Burnley.
3: Yeah, um, it, it sounds quite similar to what you guys have been discussing really with the, the kind of Dean Marnie issue and and um, the Stanislas um, debacle. And and he he very much is similar to uh, Anthony Knockart, who's our kind of flair player, um, who, who sits out on the left wing and does a lot of step overs and tries to embarrass defenders on a regular basis. Um, we'll get the ball down, we'll pass the ball around, I think, for for a spectacle. I don't think you'll probably see much better of a game uh, with two teams that try and pass the ball around and try and play good football. You know, um, we will try and control the ball. We try and kind of strangle sides of possession a little bit in the the midfield with uh, Danny Drinkwater and Matty James, um, who who are very good at retaining the ball and winning it back. Um, James particularly um, does a lot of the the unpraised work, if you you like, um, in the engine room, feeds Danny Drinkwater, who then, you know... um, there's a reason he was nominated in the top three uh, players in the championship this season. Distributes the ball out, um, d- pace on the wings with with Mores and, and knockout if he starts an unchanged team, and then Vardy, who's been a revelation this year. You know, the guy was playing non-league two years ago um, and looked nowhere near Championship standard really when he came in. But over the summer, there's been some kind of transformation, um, and he. To be honest, he's been a million miles ahead of Nugent. Nugent's goal stats are, are impressive, but the majority, i say the majority, half of those goals are penalties. Um, so it's Vardy really that's kind of come on leaps and bounds and, and took up a lot of the goal scoring um, responsibility, really. Um, the defence will probably change a little bit because Paul Kancheski I think, is back from the suspension um, and he will probably slot in in place of Jeff Slup, who's been covering at left-back. Who isn't really a full-back, but he's a kind of our utility player and slots in there on a regular basis when we need him. Um, and then you'll have the, the standard setback three of uh, Martin Vasilevsky, um, Wes Morgan, and Richard Dillat on the right hand side. So it should be a good game. Um, it sounds like two teams set up very, very similar, to be honest. And it's going to be a fascinating battle to see kind of who can wrestle that midfield dominance away from the other team. And I think the team that does that will probably kind of get the majority of the chances because. It, it's not like we're trying to kind of outthink each other it's almost like going toe to toe kind of slugging it out so it should be a a fascinating game
2: absolutely and I I totally agree that midfield's going to be the key area which is why I think we're all so concerned about Marnie missing the game and this uncertainty over over what's going to happen there I think when we played at your place they almost cancelled each other out didn't they obviously we play pretty similar shapes it's almost a straight 4-4-2, really old-fashioned, really, considering a lot of teams play just one up front these days. But I think uh, Saturday, it's, it'll be interesting to see how, how we approach the game because I think if we get a really positive start and get you under pressure early on and get the early goal, maybe, and it'll make you come out and play, and we can be quite dangerous on the break as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how it shapes up. And um, Natalie, looking ahead to Saturday, what are you expecting from the match?
5: Um. I'm actually expecting a really, really good game of football. I think it could be a real showcase for why these two sides are the top two um, and to really showcase how good championship football can be. Um, I'm expecting quite a hard-fought game. Um, I think, depending on what players we have in and what you know who doesn't make it, um, I'm expecting it to be a very close game. Um, I'm just massively looking. I'm so excited. I can't wait.
2: It, it shouldn't be... I think the thing for me as well is that there shouldn't be any reason for anyone to be nervous out there. Sometimes you get like the the two top teams, and no one wants to make a mistake. But yeah. like, it doesn't really matter if Leicester lose because they're still going to get promoted. It doesn't really matter if we lose because we're probably still going to get promoted. So both teams should really just come out swinging, have a really good goal. Knowing that if you win the game, the title's there to be won, especially from yeah. our case. Um we've got one start that we're just gonna try and check before we go off there in a few minutes' time. But Jack says Dave Nugent is nailed on to score on Saturday. Obviously Nugent, we know all about him played on loan for us in the Premier League. No, lots and lots about him from various teams he's played. Of course, spent a lot of time at Preston as well before he got his big move. Uh, he says he always scores against us and he scored more against us than he did for us when we had him on loan in the Premier League season, which sounds unlikely, but could be true. He only scored five or six, I think, for us in the Premier League. But yeah, he <laughs> could be right. That. Dave Nugent, though, as you say, Jim, it's, he's been sort of the foil, hasn't he? sort of similar to how Vox has been to Ings maybe, and Vardy's been the one that's, that's grabbed the headlines. It, it is strange how Vardy took so long to adapt to the higher level, but I suppose that's just getting used to the step-up in quality, isn't it? He's missed a couple of really big chances that could have had you further ahead in the last couple of games, hasn't he?
3: Yeah, he has. Um, he missed a couple of kind of golden opportunities, which is really unlike him, um, particularly against Blackburn. He went round Paul Robinson twice. Um, one of the occasions he hit the post, um, uh, took an extra touch, kind of gave the defenders... get. Chance to back, uh, gave the defenders a chance to get back into it and then hit the post and then the other time he went round him again and uh, kind of tried to square it across goal almost as if he kind of lost his confidence and it was cleared away so it will be interesting if if Nugent does get back on the score sheet obviously it'd be great for us but he's not scored in four games uh, and the goals that he has scored um, in, the, in the not too distant uh, past have been kind of tappings and stuff so um, hopefully he can uh, he can re his shooting boots from our point of view
2: just finally, then, before we round off for the
3: day, tell us a little
2: bit about the uh, the We Are Going Up podcast that you, you do with some of the other lads. It uh, covers the whole Football League, doesn't it? So you, you won't be able to do it next season. What are you going no. to get from what?
3: <laughs> no, I'm going to get booted off the podcast if we get promoted. So uh, I think the lads are probably, I don't know, they're probably quite secretly quite pleased about it because I'll get rid of them. Um, but yeah, so there's a, there's a few of us, um, uh, all support Football League teams, and we were looking for a, a kind of. Uh, of niche if you like something to cover that wasn't already kind of done to death by the majority of the football podcasts and we just decided to to go down the route of covering the 72 football league clubs um there's a website as well we are going up.co.uk get us on soundcloud and itunes and all that all that good stuff where you normally get your, your no know never podcast um it's a weekly record similar to this one um kind of 45 minutes and we try and get a focus on two clubs so maybe one from the championship one from league one um and we'll get journalists and sometimes players managers we've had on in the past so we've had like uh martin allen on before we've had people like um clubs uh, head of directors of football um with the guy from uh, huddersfield town director of football on to talk about transfers during january uh transfer window which is a really interesting kind of chat um yeah so so hopefully if we've covered your club in the not too distant past uh have a look through the archive and uh Give us a listen, see if you, uh, you like what you hear. Yeah, you had on, me on earlier in the season. Yes, yeah, we you had made, you
2: on for You made for me Burnley. do a Sean Dash uh, impersonation. Yeah, so, I think I'm we're afraid. keeping that in the
3: archives for the, uh, the end of the season <laughs> highlight show, similar oh, to uh, your, your recording earlier
2: absolutely cracking um, but I am going to make you do a agile Pearson
3: impersonation just as a bit of revenge before we round off for the day well it's really difficult because Pearson doesn't really uh, open his mouth when he talks and he it never sounds particularly <laughs> happy so you have to kind of restrict your mouth movement and, and kind of do it like that but uh, that was a terrible impression that's going to come back to haunt me I know we're a million times over but sod it. if thinking- we're getting promoted I don't care <laughs> I wasn't even sure you were doing a, <laughs> an impersonation. I was it's like, he Does he start? It's, it's really difficult because obviously uh, he, he's really unhappy all the time. He even a <laughs> you know, Leicester journalists who speak to him week in, week out. And it's kind of like a cat and mouse thing between them trying to get him to sound happy and him deliberately trying to stop. Um, sounding pleased, even when we spank someone like four 0 he'll be he'll be really kind of down to earth, and that's just the way he is. He's very kind of focused, and he doesn't let the players get uh, ideas of their station. So it's uh, it's a difficult one with Pearson.
2: We have exactly the same with Dash, like he just Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. his
3: voice. He just
2: always seems furious, no matter what's happening. I think there's one picture of him in history where he's smiling, and it's it's just unsettling. Yeah. Sean Dash with a smile. He just always looks very, very angry. Thanks for joining us tonight anyway, Jim. No, we'll no. just get a prediction off you then for Saturday's game before.
3: 2-1 uh, Leicester. Nugent score the winner.
2: So that'll be you going on to win the title then?
3: Yeah, fingers crossed.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Well, well, Good luck for Saturday, but not too much luck. And yeah. hopefully, we'll meet you again in the Premier League and we'll get Things you back cost, on the yeah. next season.
3: Premier League away day, Turf more away next year. So
2: to... <laughs> She'll be absolutely cracking. Really, really excited for that. James, then, prediction from you?
3: 3 uh,
2: 1 to Burnley. 3 1, 3 1, hell. Natalie?
5: 2 1 Burnley.
2: I'm going to on the fence. I think it'll be a draw. Two all-score draw. Everything's still to play for. Uh, But yeah, thanks for joining us tonight, everyone who's been listening. I think it's been a pretty good show. Thanks to Jim for coming on and Natalie and James as well. Uh, Yeah, Wednesday night show tonight. (laughs) Apologies for that. We will get back to normal service on Monday Um, and none in our live, of course, will be on Saturday morning. I think Kevin will be running that probably from about noon if you're not going to get to Turf more, Thanks a lot for listening and good night. We will be back next week.
0: You've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast. For more, visit nonanever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at net. I would have Brian
2: Stock up there. I think he's a very good looking man.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.